Are you interested in free theological training? Our flagship sponsor, Midwestern Seminary, offers free theological training through their For the Church Institute. This semester, they launched three new classes, New Testament 1 and New Testament 2 with Dr. Patrick Schreiner and Missional Leadership with Dr. Charles Smith. Both have been guests of the show. These classes, along with others they offer, The Story of Everything with Jared Wilson, The Trinity with Dr. Matthew Barrett, and more are all free and accessible to you, your community group, or your church to complete at your own pace. You can learn more and sign up to begin at mbts.edu slash knowingfaith. Again, that's mbts.edu slash knowingfaith for some free theological training from Midwestern Seminary. Go check it out. You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin, JT English. How we doing? That sounds a little, let's get ready to rumble. That's what I, that is exactly (laughs) what I was going for. So I feel good about that. Uh, you know what? Do you ever watch? No, I, I was about to say something stupid. I was about to say, do you ever watch UFC, Jen? <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I did see some because my brothers okay. were all into it. Yeah, well, the Von Ericks—that's uh, my era. No, no, no. That's that's that was that was the the world championship wrestling. UFC is the the actual. How could fighting. you confuse those two? Oh, yeah. I don't. Oh no, I don't watch that stuff. <laughs> it's you? terrible. <laughs> the Lord hates UFC. What's the matter with you? Oh my goodness. Okay, well then I'm just gonna go ahead and leave this line of thought completely but the, the guy who announces people who enter the ring bruce buffer is he that's how he introduces people it's like he yells and he's like it's so visceral and exciting and it just builds all the momentum and energy but i forgot that it was wicked and unrighteous and i certainly have never watched it before that's uh, pretty f- i'm now feeling really dumb that i confused it with carrie von eric no 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 carrie von eric is a very classic ufc fighter uh so no i think you were right down the middle of the fairway on that one well okay let's move away from that this is season 11. We are basically, we're almost a teenager in the life of this podcast, guys. Aww. That's unbelievable. Yeah. A few years away from our driver's license, which is probably good for all of us. But we are we are into season 11. We are into double digits now. We haven't just broken through the door. We're now in the living room of double digits in these seasons. And that seems crazy to me. Uh, and that's not the only big thing that's been happening in recent days. Did you guys do anything exciting over the summer? We did. Okay, yeah, what was that? Macy and I celebrated our 16-year anniversary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was not <laughs> what the setup was for. And no, you know and I, it, Hey, uh, Kyle, thanks. You, you've been such a kind, I mean, friend through all of this. Jen and I had the opportunity to launch a book. We're recording this. We launched it this week. Of course, this is going to come out here in a couple of weeks, but we, we just believe in this message. I know you do too, and so many of our listeners do. You've been so kind and encouraging that everybody is a theologian. So we had the opportunity to write a book with B&H, Lifeway, and just try to help everybody understand that you are a theologian. And what we try to do with this book is just create some really simple categories that systematic theology gives us, but that can feel really intimidating when you kind of enter into the the waters of theology. Like I remember getting my first theology book after I became a Christian, and it was the biggest book I'd ever read, like it had been given to me. It was 450 pages long, had more footnotes than pages I was willing to read. 
And I'm grateful for those kinds of books, but it felt like a really big jump to enter into the basics of systematic theology. So we wanted to write something for the people who are like, I want to do basic theology. I want to just learn the basics of the faith. Like, I think this is the kind of book that you could give to a brand new Christian, that you could do as a home group, that you could read with your spouse or a mom's group or your neighbor, just to give some basic answers to some basic questions of the faith, like who is God? What is he like? How do we know what went wrong in the world? How is God making things right? Who do we belong to and where's everything going? So yeah. Christianity has answered those to those questions and they're found in the Bible. And so it was a Jen, it was a real honor to have the opportunity to do that with you and to do theology with a friend and a, and a sister. I was going to say JT and I wrote a book together and we're still friends. I know. <laughs> That's honestly. really good. <laughs> Yeah, when you guys told me you were setting out on this adventure, I thought this is either going to be colossally good for your friendship or bad (laughs) news. (laughs) Well, we found out we're both really busy. Oh, surprise, (laughs) surprise. I'd be like, hey, I haven't written anything yet. And JT would be like, well, that's good news because neither have I. So uh, we're just glad that it's out there because it's a, you know, it's a, it's something we, we really did want to get into people's hands and also took us a long time. Yeah. I think, and, and there's a sense of like, man, we should have done this sooner, but we got it done. But Jen, I, I think you would say this too. It really was a project of doing theology together. Like yes, the, the irony of writing the book wasn't just, hey, we have these ideas. We know what they are. We're going to put them on paper. It was, we had to practice what we were preaching in the book. Yeah. I'd send JT feedback and be like, do you mean this or do you mean this? And I was not asking like, did you say it clearly? I was like learning as I'm asking him questions. So yeah. And then you would offer feedback and I was like, you know what? That's unclear or I need to say that better. So it was actually a practice of theology for both of us, which I thought was probably the most fun part of the project for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I... I'm excited. It is not just out there. It is good. I will say a lot of people have been posting this week, like quotes from it, lines from it, their favorite quotes so far. And this is mine. It's on towards the bottom of page 207. And it just says, we are both uh, deeply grateful for our ministry colleague, Kyle Worley. That to me is really the (laughs) highlight of the book. Um, I would just say like a so if you if you miss that part, I'd go back and I'd read page two oh seven right there at the bottom. Get one your more highlighter time. out. Yeah, get your highlighter out. That one is going to be a good one. You're going to want to really remember that part. Now I'm I'm obviously I'm kidding. The book is really good. It's been so fun to see out there. I'm glad people are reading it, and I hope people not only read it but they start to do it. Like they start to do the work because you can. And that's what we're doing here on the podcast. And this season, we could not be more excited uh, despite a viral video that seemed to suggest otherwise. JT, are you excited about jumping in to Exodus? (laughs) I'm not sure if people have seen this yet, but I'm pretty sure either producer Brad took a take from something else or I've been the victim of a deep fake, but I'm very excited. I'm not yawning through Exodus. Mm. I am excited about Exodus. Maybe we could title uh, an episode that. Uh, excited the about exciting Exodus. Exodus. <laughs> the <laughs> exciting Exodus. Yeah, there's a reason you don't work in the title space on the podcast, JT. <laughs> okay, what was the one you did, like pigs and blankets? Uh, hey let's man, go back to that you, one. <laughs> hey, you remember it. You remember it. But we're doing Exodus uh, this season, and we're really excited to be doing it. Exodus is a book that reverberates. It, it, it reverberates through the rest of the story of the Bible. It, it kind of ripples out. And we really want to take some time to dig into it like we did with Romans. You know, there are books of the Bible, not that are worth more or that are more significant. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness, 
That's true across the whole story of the Bible. But there are books of the Bible that just seem to reverberate uh, and create a little bit more echoes throughout the rest of the story. And so we want to just take some time to give it some attention. And we think that if you make this journey with us, uh, it's going to be really worthwhile, not just for understanding Exodus, but for understanding some of the key themes. So our goal in this season is not just to go line by line through Exodus. We will be using the, the general flow of Exodus as our structure. But that's not really what we're doing here. We're taking the themes that we find across the story and throughout the story of Exodus, and then we're just kind of tracing them throughout the rest of the story of the Bible. So you're going to hear us in these episodes come to a chapter or a portion or a passage or a theme in Exodus and then start to just kind of tease it out across the rest of the Bible because we want you to learn, one, how to do that kind of biblical theology, and then two, we want you to learn that Exodus provides kind of the fertile soil for a lot of rich themes that then grow from it and become fuller, deeper, and richer across the horizon of God's word. And so today's episode, though, does need to be a bit of an overview of Exodus because you might be thinking, hey, I don't know much about Exodus at all, or I need a refresher on Exodus before we start diving into exploring themes across the Bible. I need to know what Exodus is about. So that's where we're starting today, and our future episodes will be exploring themes we find in that book throughout the rest of the story of the Bible. So we really hope you make the journey with us. We're really excited about it. Uh, and I just want to start with this big question. Uh, when we get to Exodus, it's not the first book of the Bible, right? I mean, people know that much, right? Cutting edge, cutting edge content yes, here. Yeah, this is, this is the kind of insight people tune in for. <laughs> What's the story so far? What's the story so far? Jen, could you just maybe push the ball down the hill for us of what is, what has been happening by the time that we get to Exodus. Yeah, well, and it's important to understand that the the first word at the beginning of Exodus that may not show up in your Bible is the word and. Um, it, it means that um, we're meant to understand Exodus immediately on the heels of understanding Genesis. And so in the book of Genesis, you have uh, Genesis 1 through 11, which covers the primeval history. That's what that's often called. And that just means that it's talking about everything up to the point of the birth of the family of Abraham. So you have basically a, a birth narrative for the world in Genesis 1 through 11, and a lot of our most basic foundational questions are asked and answered. Who made everything? Where did we come from? Why are we here? What's the problem? What's the solution? Those can all be found in Genesis 1 through 11. Then in Genesis 12 through 50, we get this story of the family of Abraham. Abraham, Abram is called out of Ur, and then we uh, trace his family's slow growth, I guess you would say, through the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then finally the cycle with Joseph which is really probably the most important piece of context um, for when you turn the page to Exodus. All of Genesis is important context for Exodus, but understanding um, what happened immediately before helps you find your place in the story in Egypt where you need to, to be able to understand what will play out in the rest of the book. There you go. And now, while Exodus isn't the first book of the Bible— I want to throw something out to you guys, and and I am. This is one of those times where I'm exercising this idea in light of the reading and study I've been doing on Exodus. We know that Exodus isn't the first book of the Bible. We know that it's not technically the first book of the Torah, which would be the first five books of the Bible, or sometimes what we call the Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
But is the Exodus event, is it the first fundamental event of the people of Israel? Like, is there a people of Israel? Is there a people of Israel prior to Exodus? We know that there are children of Abraham, like that the people have been formed. But is this the fundamental event that distinguishes them from the nations? Because it seems almost like when they enter into Egypt, they've entered in as just another one of the kind of tribes, so to speak, that were in the Mediterranean world, that were in that area. And man, through the famine and through Joseph's, honestly, opportunity, he brings them in. And for a while, it almost seems like they've assimilated into Egyptian life, right? Like they're just there. They're living as the children of Abraham in the midst of Egypt. And there were a lot of people, a lot of other tribes that had found their Mm -hmm. way into that area. And so is the Exodus event maybe not the first book of the Bible, but is it the first real event of this people? Is it the first distinction that we find? I don't know. Well, I would probably describe it this way. At the end of Genesis, we're told that 70 people go into Egypt. And so in and this is going to, I hope this is not too graphic, but in, in many ways, it's sort of like Egypt becomes impregnated with Israel in, in, a, in, a, in a very small form. Mm-hmm. And the question that's lingering at the end of Genesis is, wait a minute, God told Abraham that he was going to make him into a multitude, and yet he hasn't done that. Right. So then is that going to happen? And, and, and then it happens in a very unexpected way. Um, like Abraham had his ideas of how it might happen that involved, you know, Sarah's servant girl. Um, there were all kinds of ways that he might have thought that God might do this work. And yet he dies with one descendant. The family just has not grown to be huge at the point that we close the last page of Genesis. And so um, one of the big things that Exodus is going to do is show that God does indeed fulfill his promises, but not always the way that we would expect. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an unexpected story that we find when we turn to to Exodus and immediately the tension is set for us that things are not going to go well. Yeah. Now, JT, for some of our listeners just a minute ago, I was talking about the Pentateuch. I was talking about the first five books of the Bible. Is it best to see Exodus as a book of the Bible or a chapter in a book that has five chapters? Like, is Exodus a, like, when you think about this, even as you just approach it, I'm not really even asking for, like, a technical distinction, but help maybe the listener understand that Exodus is a part of kind of a larger narrative that's happening and, and why that's important to remember while we dive into it. Yeah, I think that's partly true of every book of the Bible, but it does feel particularly true for Exodus. I mean, there is this, uh, Exodus stands on its own is is one answer to this mm-hmm. question. It is something yeah. that you really can't open and you have to understand and, and you have to understand what Jen just explained from Genesis, but it really is its own story of deliverance, of liberation, mm-hmm. of God providing for his people through unexpe- an unexpected sequence of events, of shaping and forming a people, mm-hmm. of giving them a law so that even thinking about back to Genesis chapter one, verse 28, that... Uh, that God is calling his people to be fruitful and to multiply. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what we see in Exodus chapter one, or that God is going to provide a deliverer for his people, Genesis 3.15. And then Moses is kind of a type of this deliverer. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's so many themes, but then Exodus also stands by itself. I mean, I remember when Macy and I had, I just come to faith. She was still, she had grown up in a pastor's family, but was still kind of growing in her Bible literacy. And we read Exodus together just as kind of, I think we would, both say kind of as baby Christians. And we thought to ourselves, they should make a movie about this. Well, turns out they have. <laughs> like, it turns out there's movies about this. But it, it really is. There's so many kind of dynamic stories 
in the story of Exodus and Exodus itself is uh, even some of the early church fathers and mothers would call Exodus the fifth gospel uh, mm. because in some sense it does stand by itself. Is, is This is a story of liberation, of deliverance, of God's people living in slavery, but God delivering them to be sons and daughters. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I think the answer is yes, it stands on its own. But man, when you put it into the context of God's mm-hmm. larger uh, redemptive story, you really begin to see how it, what Christ accomplishes for us as a, yes. a new deliverer and as a as, as a gospel of bringing us from darkness and into light or uh, the kingdom of of, uh, of 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 Satan into the kingdom of God's Son, yeah. there really is so much more that we can understand when we see it in its broader context. That's good. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I would I think it'd be helpful for the reader to understand is that Exodus, like the, the events that you see happening at the end of Genesis and at the beginning of the Exodus event are prophesied in the actual covenant that God makes with mm-hmm. Abraham in Genesis mm-hmm. 15. So when they get there, they may have forgotten that they were told that you would one day go there. But in Genesis 15, which is an incredible chapter, and I think it Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 are two very significant chapters outside of yeah. the Joseph narrative to have in your rearview mirror when you start exploring Exodus. And just... Listen to this small portion from Genesis 15. This is within the the larger narrative of uh, God cutting a covenant with Abraham. But it says in 1512, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Uh, Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. That this is exactly what happens in the Exodus event. Even the possessions Mm -hmm. thing, which is kind of a strange little like, detail that you feel like, what, what are you even talking about? This is exactly what happens. And even the, uh, the way, um, that this is prophesied to Abraham, uh, in the cutting of the covenant is significant because certainly this was a promise that would carry them or was intended to carry them through this, uh, slavery, this enslavement, this oppression. Well, and not only that, but when, um, we first see Abraham, setting out, he we see the story play out in miniature when yes. he uh, goes into Egypt and comes out with the spoils of Egypt. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and remember, you know, it, that can feel like, well, it's a miracle. How did that story find its way in there? You know, but remember that Genesis and Exodus are both attributed yeah. to Moses' authorship. And so um, these stories are not written by accident in the order and in the way that they are. They are meant, you know, unlike um, the way that we tend to think about history, which is here are the facts, just read the facts and do what the what you will. Uh, historical narrative in the Bible is curating facts. Actually, all histories that you've read are, but historical narrative in the Bible is curating facts to make a point. And so um, we would expect that Genesis would be stitching together the faithfulness of God with the story of Exodus in a way that that a hearer could remember. 
The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up His anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of His immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. All right. So who are some of the central characters that we find in the Exodus story? Right. I mean, like there's, there's Moses, we know him, right? Uh, we're going to talk more about Moses as the story goes on. Uh, Moses, who's the delivered son who goes on to deliver the children of God. But mm -hmm. who, who else are some of the central characters that we find? Maybe even overlooked characters that we're going to rediscover in the story of Exodus. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound so cheesy, which is why I'm just going to go ahead and step into it and do it. The central character of this story is God. And it's easy Ooh. to kind of get into <laughs> okay. some of the narratives. But like, if we're saying that there are five books that begin the Bible, the whole point of those five books is God making his glory known to the nations yeah. and doing it through a specific people. And so yeah. what, what's going to happen? And I don't mean that in like a, how could we no, miss we're under, God? We're under, we're under, we're under we 20 minutes honest. into the, we're under 20 minutes into the season and you've already Jesus, Jude, Jen and I bang right out. Of well, I don't mean to do that. I was, I tried to, I tried to caveat. So you're saying the Bible is a book about God as that what you're saying? Do you read that in women? I'm just the word, saying. Or? I think that what can, I think what can happen in sometimes when we're reading historical narrative, and this is this could be a fault of mine, is I can miss some of the more granular details as it relates to. Wait, who, who's related to who? And, oh yeah, that's their uncle. Because to be honest, I don't care that much. Uh, mm. But sometimes it really oh, matters. Don't you bring that week? No, I know. In here. Sometimes it really matters, and we should read First Samuel 19 for some reason. It's really important, people. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should do those things. But what I'm trying to say is I think one of the things we're trying to do in this season is to also lift our eyes up and see how is God making a people for himself to shape and form them, to be image bearers, both as people, Adam and Eve, or a family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now Israel's family that's going to go inherit the promised land 
for the purpose of being a people set apart for God's glory to make his glory known among the nations, because God desires to receive glory from all people. Even going back to one of the things I've been thinking about in Exodus, and you can't really read the Pentateuch without thinking about the particular call of a people for a universal call of God's glory to go to all people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by God's character. It's like God is the central character in Exodus in the sense of he is calling and shaping and forming, delivering and liberating a people for himself so that he might receive glory. And he does it through a really strange set of sequences and characters, which we've already highlighted here, like Moses or Aaron or Hebrew midwives, and we could, I mean, we're going to name so many others. Mm-hmm. Well, and another big looming character is Pharaoh, mm-hmm. and Pharaoh mm-hmm. is an important character for us to understand because he's going to, he is going to reverberate throughout the rest of the Bible in various yeah. forms. So we'll get to yeah. talk about that more. We will. And we're also going to talk about some characters that you've, that maybe, um, if you're like me, you, you've overlooked. Um, we're going to talk about the midwives. Did you know that the midwives function as a kind of a huge part of exploring a theme mm-hmm. in Exodus? I did. Gonna, I did know that. I know I'm that really you happy knew it because you, you mentioned it. Because mm-hmm. you taught me. <laughs> uh, I have to so. tell you a fun, a fun thing that happened. I got uh, an email from a, a woman who I had gotten to do a conference at their church, and I taught on the Hebrew midwives. And um, one of the things I'll do is I heckle the uh, audience to say, how many of you have a kid named Jacob or how many of you have a kid named Sarah? And they'll all, Pua. oh, me. Yeah, and then I say, how many of <laughs> you have named a daughter Shifra or Pua? And they're all, you know, no hands go up. <laughs> well, so then nine months after this conference, no lie, she sends me an email with a picture of a baby at their church and the woman named her Shifra after okay. one of the Hebrew midwives. That's I'm just out doing ministry, folks. Yeah, man, just out here naming babies. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we're going to talk about characters like the midwives. We're going to talk about characters like Aaron and Jethro. And uh, these are going to be significant characters for us to explore in the story, even if they have remained overlooked uh, in other explorations of Exodus that you've encountered. So they're, they're, when, they're when all- you guys read Exodus, what uh-huh. character do you put yourself in? You know what I mean? Like if you kind of got into the oh, story. Oh man, that's a good, like I know, you, I know what I'm supposed to say. Do you want do you me to give the Sunday school answer? I'm supposed yeah. to put myself in the place of Israel. Right. Right. Like the people, like yeah. you're just being delivered. Yeah, I'm, then the, you're complaining. I, I, I'm the person who's complaining. I'm the one who's <laughs> like, here's my jewelry. Let's go make an idol together. You know, I mean, so it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I know that's the right answer, but I think, uh, I think I tend to be like, oh yeah, I'm Moses. Look at all the hard things I have to deal with. Look at my, you know, my identity crisis. Every time God tells me to do something, you know, I mean, I just, I think we reflexively do it, but that's, you bring up a good question, JT, and I don't want us to get ahead of where we're going to go on the season, but, and the question would be, is it wrong to do that or not? Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I think that's one we'll have to explore. I think that's a good one to explore. That's right. Great. Um, okay. Let's do this. What are some of the major events? Now, when we think about this with Exodus, the book is titled after the major event, right? Mm -hmm. So Exodus is a major event event. It is the people leaving Egypt. So that one we know about, it's the name of the book. What are some of the other major events that are happening that we're going to encounter in the flow of that larger meta event of Exodus? 
I think one of the first ones would be found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where God presents himself in a burning mm-hmm. bush and names himself for one, yeah. I mean, for the first time saying, I am who I am, tell them I am has sent you. Yeah. And so this is, again, kind of going back to God being one of the main characters and, and participants in what he's doing in, in history and specifically in the history of Israel. That's a that's a major event that comes before this major event of the Exodus. He's sure. He is displaying himself and sending a, a, a deliverer to deliver his people for for his glory. Another major event, just to jump, I mean, gosh, several chapters forward is God, again, this is still part of the Exodus event, but a Passover lamb being provided for the yeah. sake of God's people and the angel of death hovering over and this being one of the plagues of, of extreme death happening in Egypt, but God providing a blood sacrifice for his people. Or then, of course, uh, in the wilderness, God giving, or at Sinai, giving uh, a law to his people mm-hmm. to say, this is, this is the, you're supposed to be a city situated upon a hill. Don't mm-hmm. live like the nations. Instead, here's a new covenant, a new way of being in the world so that you can reflect and resemble my glory to the nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole plague cycle is going to mm-hmm. be really important for, it's going to mm-hmm. be, it's going to uh, show up other places in the Bible. So <laughs> that's going to be a really um, important thing to to get to talk about just God demonstrating his authority over some very important things that he yeah. uh, will see Christ later demonstrate authority over during his earthly ministry. You know, that's a big deal. The And then it's, you know, there's the giving of the law, which is obviously a huge moment um, in scripture when, when the Ten Commandments are given. But there's also that scene right prior to that that is significant as well, and that's the giving of those who are supposed to actually exercise the law. Yeah. So the you know the 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 sort of prototypical judges that are put in place, and so um, we'll see you know in in Exodus the the pattern that has been set in in Genesis of God forming something and then filling it or bringing it to fulfillment, um, in, in all of the themes that go through the book, we see the first big moment of idolatry yep. for for mm-hmm. Israel, which is not to say that there haven't been indications of it prior, sure. um, but the first big moment, of that's one of the stories a lot of us are very familiar with, the golden calf. So yeah, it's it's full of stuff. Oh, and then, you know, the building of the tabernacle, the, the mm-hmm. part where everybody gets bored at the end because it feels repetitive. So we're going to get to examine like, does that show up other places? Oh yep. yeah, actually mm-hmm. it shows up a whole lot of other places. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think the only one that I was thinking of uh, outside of the ones you mentioned, those are all, those were on my list would be the birth narrative and the drawing yes. out of Moses from the water. Yes. Uh, you know, that's a major event. I mean, apart from that, there is no, de- there is no deliverer uh, for the rest of the story. Right. Um, well, uh, there are themes, and we've been hitting on them as we've talked about some of these major characters and some of the major events. There are major themes. There's birth, there's rebirth, there's deliverance. What are some of the other major themes that we're going to find in Exodus that we should anticipate reverberating throughout the rest of the Bible? What are some of those other big ones? Obedience, remembering. Remembering is a huge theme throughout the Pentateuch. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, good. And so you'll hear about obedience and re- the blessings of obedience and uh, remembering. I would highlight God desiring to be present with his people. I mean, yeah. here we are living in exile and Exodus being this deliverance from exile. And one of the first things, to, even just to give it the broad category of like the last 15 chapters of the book is he's making a people for himself like priests mm-hmm. who can represent mm-hmm. uh, God to the people or the people to God, but also an ark specifically where God can dwell yes. with his people again. One of the main storylines beginning in Genesis chapter one and ending in Revelation 22 is God being present with his people and an ark being or a tabernacle being 
the place where he's going to do that again being mm-hmm. fulfilled in John chapter 1 verse 14 where Christ is the one who comes to tabernacle or to ark among among God's people. Yeah. And you touched on this earlier JT but that repeated refrain of um that all the that first he says so that Egypt may know and then it's that basically we see so that Israel may know and then you know by the end of the Bible it's so that all the world may know that he is God. And so that that commissioning of a people to proclaim the high holiness of God um, through the way that they live and um, in the places that they go. Yeah, that's the last one I would say too. I was going to mention is holy. I mean, God is holy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you, and then yep. thinking about the the book that's going to come after this, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, is thinking about yep. a holy God and a holy consecrated people for Himself. And so I think we're going to begin to see a lot of the holiness of God being a, a major theme too, especially as we get towards uh, the giving of the law. Uh, yeah. the ark and, and God consecrating people for himself. Well, and I touched on this, the sovereignty of God, right? Because that's why we get mm-hmm. all of these um, these hints of what's to come and then the the whole like um, prophecy and fulfillment yeah. rhythm that is throughout so, the first five books of the Bible, but particularly the Genesis and Exodus portion and uh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, all of that is, I think, worthy of exploration and I'm really excited about it. I want to end this episode with this question and this wasn't in the run sheet. So I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, and, and I'm willing to go first just so you can have time to marinate on it, but here's what I want you to, to consider. And I think this would be maybe a good way. If, if we've given the audience, here are the like biblical and theological reasons to really care about what we find in Exodus and how it reverberates. I want to kind of end a little bit more personal, uh, or pastoral here. And how has, what you've discovered or uncovered or read in Exodus, what kind of impact has had has it had on your own life? Um, and uh, maybe maybe there's a part of Exodus or a story or a moment in Exodus that you feel like has really shaped you, um, and uh, or that you have felt like, man, that was so helpful for me to understand, and it drove me to a place uh, of either dependence on the Lord or worship or adoration or confession. So just think on that. Uh, for me, the story that stands out here is in Exodus 33. It's Moses's intercession after the golden calf and the new tablets. That for me, uh, I, I kind of read that in a season of my life. You know, there are passages and books of the Bible that you've read many times over, but then you read it and kind of you're in a new phase of your life. And so it it, it just slices a little bit differently. Um, and that was one where... In Moses' intercession, he's he's crying out to God and he's saying, hey, don't, first off, don't kill all these people. Um, we are your people. Remember your promises. But then he, God has said, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to let you go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. Mm-hmm. And Moses' whole prayer is like, it is your going with us that makes us your people. Like it's your yeah. presence that makes us your people. And I remember being struck by the reality that like, Moses is basically saying, if we get the promised land, but we don't get your presence, we get nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think in my life so often, I am really willing to settle for all of the good things that God gives. And I've often wondered, I remember reading that and being like, do I really feel like if I got all of the good things that God can give, but I didn't get God, would I be satisfied with that? Because Moses is saying, no. Like if we got all the good things that God could give or everything the promised land has, but we didn't get God's presence, that wouldn't be enough. That's not the best thing. And I think oftentimes I'm okay with that trade. And uh, it was, that's been a passage that I've returned to many, many, many times uh, to try to kind of get a sense, like a diagnostic, like, 
am I just living kind of uh, covered in God's blessing, but totally unaware of the treasure of his presence? So I think that's that's a story that has always kind of just been, I don't know, a huge block for me, a huge, uh, not block, a huge uh, moment for me. So does anything in Exodus stand out for you guys, either personally, practically, or pastorally, or even as you've taught it before, that you feel like, wow, that really has shaped me? I already gave away my answer, but um, so if I have a life verse, I'll just own it as my life verse. It's okay. um, Psalm one. It's Proverbs. Sorry, Psalm one eleven ten. I don't even know mm-hmm. that reference off, off the top of my head. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. I had a blog back in the day called the beginning of wisdom. I think for me, I know that I am given to fear of man. You know, like I, I think pride is something that is um, one of the things I will swat down for the rest of my life. And so recognizing that there is no hope of wisdom without fear of the Lord, like that's where it begins, was just a light bulb moment for me in early adulthood. And so then when I come across the story of the Hebrew midwives, and uh, if I had a life verse out of Exodus, would be Exodus 1, 11, it says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded. They fear God more than Pharaoh. They understand the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And these are these are people without resources. These are the yeah. last and the least. They have nothing in their mm-hmm. toolkit to protect themselves. And yet they still shake their fist at um at at the the force that would say, bend to my will. And so I just, you know, I was just so captivated by that idea. Mm-hmm. I am not mm-hmm. someone who is last and least. I have resources. I have um, I have things that I can give to other people that can help them. And am I going to be more consumed with the fear of man? Uh, I've said this on the podcast before, but if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then the fear of man is most certainly the beginning of folly. And so mm-hmm. these these women got that, and um, yeah. they're mm-hmm. they're intercessors. They they're the they're the first intercessors that we see uh, for the people of of Israel. And so um, yeah, that's what that has just changed. It's it's made me want to be like that. Yeah, mm, that's oh, good, yeah. Jen. That is good. This is going to sound like I'm cheating a little bit. I promise I'm not. Because uh, 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 you, 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 you are, you're about we'll be, to cheat. We'll be the judge. We'll be the judge. Yeah, we'll you, be the judge. You guys could be the judge. You guys be the judge. I'm going to try to indict myself a little bit here. Okay. Uh, I was giving, I was offering communion last week to Storyline, and I was kind of setting it up, and you know, just being I, for some reason, I think maybe it's because I was preparing for this, reading a few books for for this season, and preparing for Exodus. Is Jesus and his disciples were eager to eat a Passover meal. Uh, he was not, and maybe another way to say it is he was not eager to get past the Passover. He was yeah. eager to remember and reimagine it in light of who he was and what he had come to accomplish. And he sat there with them reimagining this story that we're about to read as a story of God's people in desperate need of salvation, of God being a God of provision, and care, and love, and liberation to shape and form a people for his glory to bear his image to the nations. And of course, what I can tend to do, or I'm trying to indict myself a bit, is I just try to get to the Jesus story real quick. And we are Christ-centered. We want to read the whole Bible in light of the story Mm -hmm. of Jesus. I think what I'm trying to say is, man, I really want to get into the granular details of this story this Mm -hmm. year and get into the themes that are present there to try to get myself into the imaginative framework of Judas or of Peter or Mm -hmm. of John and think, Mm -hmm. man, what what was their imaginative framework as they saw the God of the Exodus, Jesus, and have had a meal with them? The very one mm-hmm. who delivers them is one who's going to come and deliver them again. And for them to just have their minds exploded about this yeah. is the God of the Passover, the sacrificial lamb who's come to offer himself for the sins of the world. Man, I so what I'm trying to do is I, I don't want to sometimes I can jump forward too quickly. I want to to come back 
to these themes and stories so that when I jump forward, I understand them in deeper and more profound ways. I love that. There's even yeah. that prototypical meal um, that we find in Exodus after the mm-hmm. law is given, where mm-hmm. um, the elders go up the mountain. I'm, I'm probably getting ahead, but uh, that's setting up, you know, a meal that's going to happen in the New Testament. And so you're right, JT. the The Old Testament to New Testament connection, you know, we've we're very aware um, as those who are teaching uh, in the church on a regular basis that this Old Testament muscle memory really is going to help with the beauty of the New Testament uh, coming through for people. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to continue to explore this with you guys. It's time for us to Exodus from our first episode. Oh, on you no. get to you that say once. that at the end of every... Se- no, nope, yeah. it's but just once. You played that card. Listen, I did, and I knew I was going to do it now, and it, it will never be done again. Uh, except in, I'm going to reserve. I can do it in the last episode of us covering Exodus because it's only fitting that we can do that. So that I am going to reserve the right to do that. You can mock me for it then as well. Listen, uh, we're excited to make this journey. Next episode, we will continue as we dive kind of more into the actual story itself and start tracing these themes out. If you want to follow along with us, the best thing you could do truly is to start reading the book of Exodus. There are a lot of wonderful commentaries on Exodus. There's a lot of great secondary literature on Exodus. You're going to hear us reference some of that work. And that's really good. The first thing you should be doing is reading Exodus. And so if you just want to follow along with us, I would say the best thing that you could do is start saying, you know what, I'm going to read a chapter or two of Exodus every week, not every day, every week, read a chapter or two of Exodus. And I want to challenge you to maybe try some different reading models this season. And I would love to hear back from you on this. So let me just give you one example of a reading model. You could try to read these chapters out loud if you don't normally Mm -hmm. read your Bible reading out loud. What if this season for these chapters, as we follow along in Exodus, you just tried to read it out loud as opposed to read quietly or silently? I know that may sound strange, Try it. And I want to hear what you think about that. You can find Knowing Faith on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're out there. That's where you can follow along with our communication. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to check out our sponsors through our webpage link in the show notes or online at trainingthechurch.com under the Knowing Faith podcast webpage. We have some great sponsors this season and they make this possible. And so we're really excited for that. So go check them out. Give them some love. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I know that sounds like a silly thing. I know what I, I know it's sounds silly. But if you want to help other people find this show, that's, that is the best way that you can do it. You can share it on social media and you can leave a review over at Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't had a chance to do that, go do that. That will help other people find the show. You can find out some of the behind the scenes stuff that we have for our Patreon community over at trainingthechurch.com slash support. And if you have not heard, we are launching our fifth show this fall, Tiny Theologians. So go check out our sister show. Tiny Theologians is a narrative driven podcast for kids. It's not for adults. It's for kids. But I think adults are going to love it too. It's for kids and it's built on teaching the basics of Christian belief to kids in a story-driven format. It is hosted and run by Amy Kate Gannett. There's some wonderful voice actors. Trust me, go check out Tiny Theologians. We're really excited for it to launch. We hope you enjoyed the discussion today. Grace and peace. Did this episode spark an interest to learn more about Jesus, the Bible, or just theology in general? 
You can receive free theological training through Midwestern Seminaries for the Church Institute, where you can learn more about the Old and New Testament, Christian theology, preaching, leadership, and more, even at your own pace. Learn more and get started today at ftcinstitute.com. Again, that's ftcinstitute.com for free training on Old and New Testament, Christian theology, preaching, and leadership. Go and check out these incredible resources from our season sponsor.